RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. Frank had a little thing come up this morning. He's not going to be able to join us, so I am taking the show solo today. Thankfully, I think, I even though I am obviously prepping um, for, uh, for two, I think I have enough material today and enough on my mind to keep us going for a good portion of the show. And some of it is actually clips. Like, I wanted to really, really dig into this um, Tucker Carlson clip from the other night where he's talking about the uh, January 6th insurrectionist slash the Stephen Colbert insurrectionist. And when I first saw this, I didn't really pay it any mind. I was like, ah, whatever. It's just one of those things. But like the more I read about it, the more I realize that it's it's really not it's really something. So we'll start there, I guess. Um, Julie Kelly has a great column here in American Greatness called Justice for J-16. She starts off and all, all and bleh, bleh, uh, an already overworked grand jury in Washington, D.C., presumably will be very busy in the days to come. For nearly 18 months at the behest of Joe Biden's Justice Department, grand juries in the nation's capital have issued nonstop flood of criminal indictments against Americans who protested Joe Biden's election on January 6, 2021. Hundreds of people who peacefully entered the Capitol building as police stood by faced serious felony charges punishable by decades in prison. Even those accused of low-level misdemeanors such as parading in the Capitol have been sentenced to months in jail. Now, following last week's arrest of Democratic Party activists disguised as staffers for the late show, the late show with Stephen Colbert for unauthorized incursions into Capitol buildings, one must assume prosecutors are hastily preparing similar indictments against Colbert's team to reflect a fair handling of the two incidents. They were caught not once, but twice unlawfully entering areas of the Capitol complex in Justice Department parlance related to January 6th. That is known as a restricted area, but on June 16th. Adam Schiff apparently is the one who allowed this. Capitol Police finally arrested the interlopers around 8.30 p.m. on Thursday night near the office of Representative Boebert, a frequent target of the left, in the Longworth building and charged them with illegal entry. The day before that... Those people harassed the family members and lawyers for January 6th detainees during a press conference on Capitol Hill. Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, prosecuting more than 850 Americans for mostly nonviolent participation in the Capitol protest, reportedly will consider additional charges against the Colbert cabal. And then she goes on and she talks about all of the same things. Because there was a J6 hearing going on, it was obstruction of an official proceeding, there's a civil disorder, violent entry, disorderly conduct, entering and remaining in a restricted building and parading, um, conspiracy because they worked with members of the of Congress. She goes through it. But Tucker Carlson had an absolutely genius, genius um, clip to start his show the other day. Let us listen to a bit of it. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Happy Monday, if you could call it that, but you can't. Like most Americans, you're probably still trying to digest what has happened over these past four days. Profound national trauma is like that. Once you face something unimaginably horrible, nothing is ever the same. Nothing will ever be the same. Like prison, it changes a man. This is not an easy time for any of us. We get it. 
we're literally, literally still shaking as we think about how close this country came to losing our democracy last Thursday. Last Thursday was June 16th, a day forever branded in our memory, a day that has joined the pantheon of tragic turning points in human history. Where were you on 616? You'll never forget, and neither will we. At the time, we were preparing a show on Tony Fauci and his push for a new corona shot for kids. It seemed important then. It seems so trivial now. As we were speaking on the air, at that very moment, a team of seven saboteurs had entered the Capitol grounds and then proceeded, as saboteurs do, to breach the Capitol itself. Inside those hallowed grounds, within the very womb of democracy, <laughs> these wreckers began their hunt for sitting members of Congress. That happened, ladies and gentlemen, and if it sounds shocking to you, it gets more harrowing from there. This was not some spontaneous outbreak of insurrection, no. This was a meticulously planned coup from afar. The group in the Capitol was under the direct control of an extremist called Stephen Colbert, who as a white man is by definition a white extremist. It's hysterical. It goes on from there. But in tandem to this, which the story is really crazy of how this happened, like they really should hold these people just as accountable as everybody else who was in the Capitol on January 6th was. There is zero difference between the two. Zero. When you read the, the facts of the story, and I'll put it in the show notes for you guys so you can see it. Separately, there's other hijinks going on with Democrat staffers um, in the Capitol building. What are they doing? They're pasting defacing signs outside of Marjorie Taylor Greene's office in, you know, weird ways with weird Bible verses and taunting phrases. And, and there's an arrest warrant that has been asked for. And, you know, we're nowhere. They won't assign security to people. They, they encourage violence. This is something that we deal with all the time. Yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene hit up, uh, what's it called? Hit up the uh, floor of Congress with some of this stuff. So the double, double standard is alive and well. But this entire Tucker clip is really, really good. It's really good. His whole opening on this is is awesome. But you notice he started talking about the uh, vaccinations also. The FDA basically approving the babies, the babies to get vaccinated. We had a column go up, um, yet, not yesterday, but Monday about this. The CDC is now targeting 20 million U.S. infants and young kids for the COVID jab. There was an emergency meeting uh, Saturday, June 18th, and Walensky supported the FDA's advisory committee on immunization practices um, that infants and children as young as six months through five years should be vaccinated against COVID-19. Um, the CDC released a statement on Saturday that reports that COVID-19 vaccines have undergone and continue, will continue to undergo the most intensive safety monitoring in U.S. history, so much so that they had to come up with a new phenomenon known as SADS to explain away why people are dropping to the ground dead all over the place unexpectedly, unexpectedly died, unexpectedly died because there's just no explanation for what's happening to all these people walking around seemingly healthy, just falling to their death. As a matter of fact, um, a Harvard alumnus and Johns Hopkins professor said this, a more honest announcement would have been, we approved the vax for babies and toddlers based on very little data. While we believe it's safe in this population, the study sample size was too low to make a conclusion about safety. Note that the studies were done in kids without natural immunity. 
So they did the study in only children who had never had COVID-19. Dr. Corey also uh, questioned the judgment, said they're fast rolling out 10 million vaccines for U.S. toddlers. There is no science to support this. None. Parents, protect your babies from this pharma campaign. I am begging you. I don't want more patients. I'm drowning in the care of vax injured as it is. There is no long term safety profile on these. And, and Peter Marks says vaccinated children have a five fold increase of myocarditis. It's, it's terrible. This is what Biden says. These vaccines are safe, highly effective, and will give parents the peace of mind knowing their child is protected from the worst outcomes of COVID-19. They don't even try to say it's going to prevent COVID-19. Wow, COVID-19 anymore. They don't even say it anymore. Moderna's vaccine was approved. Germany, France, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and Finland all suspended Moderna for people under 30 due to safety concerns. But in the United States, five-month-olds can gladly, gladly get the coronavirus vaccine. Saying that government agencies here, a pathologist says the government agencies ignored and twisted the data to approve giving the shots to our babies. The clinical trial got, recruited 4,500 children, 3,000 dropped out, no, no reason why. The trial should be deemed null and void based on just that alone. And pathologist Dr. Claire Craig remarked that Pfizer's claim that its vaccine works is based on just three COVID cases versus seven. The trial defined severe COVID, listen to this, as those children who had a slightly raised heart rate or a few more breaths per minute. There were six children aged two to four who had, quote, severe COVID in the, the vaccine group, but only one in the placebo group. So on that basis... The likelihood the vaccine is actually causing severe COVID is higher than the likelihood it isn't. She said, quote, there was actually one child who was hospitalized in the trial. They had fever and a seizure and they had been vaccinated. So she keeps going. She says, let's turn to what they've defined as any COVID. And what they did was to twist the data. They vaccinated the kids. They waited three weeks after the first dose before the second dose. In that three week period, 34 of the vaccinated children got COVID and only 13 in the placebo group, which worked out to be a 30 percent increased chance of catching COVID in that three week period if you were vaccinated. And all of this is against the backdrop of a disease that doesn't affect children. And there's no long long term safety data. There's no long term safety data. But an emergency use authorization is supposed to be meant for a situation where there's a risk of serious injury or death. And children under five are not at risk of serious injury of death from COVID. In fact, in their own trial, they had to make up other ways of measuring the problem because there was no serious injury or death. I, and sadly, sadly, we're in the place right now where there's a, quote, new variant. There's a new variant, everyone. And <laughs> they're calling it something new. They're calling it Stealth Omicron. Stealth Omicron was just, oh, well, actually, I'm wrong. Stealth over Omicron must have been the last Omicron. But it was just overtaken by a new subvariant that evades immunity. It's nicknamed for its ability to evade detection on PCR tests, which is why Everybody that's going out and getting COVID tests are coming back negative for COVID when in actuality, the PCR tests never could really work anyway. So it's a whole nonsense. That whole thing we've gone over ad nauseum here on the show and in Uncover DC and everywhere else. So that's that's nonsense. I don't even care about PCR tests. That's not the point. The point is the data that they're not telling you is that this version of Omicron, which I guess will never have another named COVID variant 
because they've just kept on switching up Omicron to different BA5, BA2.1, 2.1, like it's a software release or something. Anyway, this one swept through South Africa this spring, along with BA4, thanks to its ability to evade immunity. They don't mean necessarily natural immunity. They mean vaccine immunity. And this is exactly what Geert van den Bosch said was going to start to happen. And every time something like this starts to happen, I get more nervous because I know that there are two extremes, right? There's the people that say the vaccine is healthy and uh, safe and efficient and it's going to save you. And, you know, it, 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 invokes broad-based immunity and then there's the camp that says that this vaccine is going to cause world population you know to to implode upon itself like the absolute worst case scenario i would argue that we're 75 percent closer to the worst case scenario than we are to the everything is hunky-dory scenario but i'm still hesitant to jump on the doomsday bus to hell and 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 just go down that road completely because it's just it you know, I don't think that any one theory is a hundred until we start seeing like complete, well, like we're seeing right now, where now we're seeing this disease really, really affect the vaccinated. What we we could call uh, what we could call antibody dependent enhancement. I've read more, uh, you know, papers about this stuff than I care to admit to anybody here, and I don't, I don't, with the percentage of people who are vaccinated, who are dying from other things. Forget just this. They're dying from all kinds of other things. The excess deaths are like through the roof. I'm sorry, they just are. Those charts are really hard to read and they're very complicated. But if you ever wanted to go and check out some of this data, you could go to an account on Twitter, sadly, called Ethical Skeptic, who somehow still remains, probably because they're so they're so scientific and wordy that most people don't understand what they're saying. Honestly, it's very a complicated account to follow, but they give the charts and the data and they, they don't come to any real conclusions. They kind of do, but they don't. So it's a good account to kind of get an idea if you can put your thinking cap on for a minute. But I, I don't want to get to the point where who's going out and, and putting this in. There? I, I saw like a um, man on the street clip of like people talking to their moms and, you know, dads babies asking them if they were going to run out and get their kids this shot. Oh, Lord. I'm like almost at the point where I feel like this is actually a um, Darwin moment, sadly. A Darwin moment. I I really am. And it's really hard lately because all this bad stuff's happening, but good stuff is happening at the same time. Like, for example, we talked about Frank and I how comedians are actually coming out and saving the uh, culture war like they're they're winning the culture war for us dave chappelle was apparently um asked to have his high school theater be named after him and he has decided against that because when he was there last time he um he had some issues with the students there and some of the students questioned the comedian directly regarding his dismissal of criticism he's received from LGBTQ plus individuals. Someone said, I think I'm 16 and I think you're childish. You handed it like a child. Um, and he said, these people don't understand they're being used as tools, basically, of suppression. Of, of and, and the more you say I shouldn't say something, the more that I will come out and say it. And anybody who watched his special... And, and walks away with it thinking he's a, he, you know, 
the story of his trans friend who ended up killing herself, not because she's trans per se, but because her own community attacked her with such vitriol after she stood up for Dave Chappelle, who she actually liked. If you walk away from that thinking that this man is a hateful guy, you, you've got another thing coming, but nobody watched it. So he's decided instead to name it um, to name it something else. It will be called the Theater for Artistic Freedom and Expression instead of Dave Chappelle Theater. And, you know, Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, <laughs> Mr. Bean came out and said something about all this, too. Comedians are like the only thing we have separating us from from, you know, never being able to laugh at anything. And, and they can't even talk anymore without somebody getting offended. It's ridiculous. I watched a clip of Bill Maher, who, again, I've give I give him zero credibility in terms of like everybody says, like, don't let this guy in. No, 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 no. That's not that's not what this is. He did a whole skit on the Washington Post drama and how ridiculous it is. And it's true. Like there are so many victim classes at this point. And it's it's unbelievable to me because the Navy we had an article on this yesterday. The Navy put out a training video. I'm sure you've seen it. Here it is. Hi, my name is Johnny and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I am Kanchi and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. This is a video for people in the Navy. Okay. I, I, this is not for kids, even though it could be. This is ridiculous. This is as the Chinese are launching destroyers and the Russians are taking over Ukraine. Our Navy is putting this out. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? A safe space for everybody. You're going to be in the, in, in, you know, on the, on, uh, in, a, in a combat situation and you're going to scream to the person next to you, they move over. Come on. Really? Seriously? This is ridiculous. That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey, guys, you can say, hey, everyone or hey, team. I don't know about you, but I've never once been offended in a group of mixed sex when someone said, Hey guys, come over here. Do you take offense to that? These people, what? I, I just, this makes me so angry. It, it's so ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. And these people are supposed to go out and defend our country. Yeah. And now that you say that another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails or like we just did introduce ourselves are you going to walk up to somebody, people, and be like, hey, I'm Tracy, she, her? No, no, it's weird. This whole thing is weird. Everybody knows it's weird. This is four minutes of nonsense from two people. I don't even know what the hell they're trying to accomplish here. And, and this whole article goes into all of the, the uh, you know, absolutely ridiculous nonsense and gender neutral gender inclusive pronouns and what the biden administration has done this is the hill they've chosen to die on so much so that even hillary clinton has come out and said this is going to destroy the democrat party and then we're we're dealing with 
Portsmouth, Ohio, a library that promotes kids books about masturbation in a pride display. Why is it that you have to have sexual deviancy? These are books for kids in, 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 in the ranges of two to 12. And a sta- why do kids need to learn about sex at all, let alone homosexual sex in a book? When they're that young, why do kids have to learn about masturbation when they're between the ages of two and 12? What the hell purpose does this serve and why this absolute obsession with tying what what is sexually inappropriate, in my opinion, to children, to children? We're going through this over and over again. I mean, over and over again. It is nobody thinks this is okay. One of the books in this library is called The Everybody Book. The LGBTQ plus inclusive guide for kids about their sex, gender, bodies and families. The book includes a discussion of sexual intercourse, masturbation, sexuality, gender pronouns and contraception. It also contains illustrations of contraceptives, including internal and external condoms, implants, IUDs and birth control pills and discussion of oral and anal sex. Why? Why? Why do kids need to know this? I was playing baseball when I was 11 and I was playing soccer and I was singing. I wasn't learning about sex when I was an 11 year old. I'm sorry. This is disgusting. And this is everywhere, everywhere. Nobody thinks this is okay except the very, very strange. The very strange. I mean, if seriously. You know, I, I actually, um, sadly, I forgot to, to warn you guys during my COVID. I, I had this out of order. I had this out of order. And it reminded me of when Biden, just to get you guys ready for midterms, I wanted to play this for you. Remember, like when Biden was campaigning, he said, we've got the most extensive voter fraud organization probably in history. Mm-hmm. Well, this was yesterday. This is what Biden said yesterday. I'm going to find it. I had it right here. But again, it was out of order. And this is what happens. Sadly, here we go. At least this year, we, we do need more money. But we don't just need more money for vaccines for children. Eventually, we need more money to plan for the second pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. And that's not something the last outfit did very well. That's something we've been doing for fairly well. That's why we need the money. He just told you. Monkeypox is up to 146 cases in the United States. Definitely not going to be that. (sighs) Here's Peter McCullough real quick back on the vaccine tip. Uh, It almost seems like it's not needed. But like you said, 75% of children already had coronavirus. That's a large majority here. Do we think that this vaccine could be something that's required when it comes to schools? I certainly hope not. It's still experimental. It's still under the emergency use authorization. And my parents should know we have no assurances that this is going to be safe long term. Everything we learn about it is not good news. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, what decision do parents make then if we're not hearing the best news about it? You know, parents should be wise and, you know, not all medical products are, are safe and effective and they have to sort through the information and, and get different viewpoints. Uh, but I think many parents will conclude, you know, it's it's experimental. Uh, it's genetic code that codes for the spike protein that was devised in the lab in Wuhan, China. Uh, th- this is just going too far in our children. You can't it can't make a child healthier. If there's a child who's healthy right now, taking these shots potentially every six months cannot make them healthier. 
Like you said, make the best decision for their child for what's. Yeah, the best decision is to keep this damn thing away from kids. That's our next generation. Our kids are everything. And that's why they're going after them so hard. They're trying to kill them before they're born. They're trying to groom them and turn them into, you know, immoral, confused, you know, uh, what am I looking for? In gender surgeries and mastectomies and, you know, gender reassignments. And they're basically assaulting them with medical procedures far before they have the ability to make a decision for themselves. It's it's just and 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 they're going after them with this with this genetic poison, for lack of a better word, it's poison. Speaking of which, couple things. Peter McCullough apparently, I read the uh, Jeff Childers Co- Coffee and COVID newsletter. It's really good if you haven't seen it. And uh, apparently, the medical board has come for Peter McCullough's license, and they're going after him on a number of statements that he's made on television and elsewhere, um, trying to take his license away. And so. Um, that's something that we need to definitely watch out for. It's just terrible what's happened to not just Peter McCullough, but Dr. McCullough, but many, many docs across the country that you don't hear about who have tried to treat COVID using treatments that actually work, who have advocated for wise choices when it comes to injecting yourself with this vaccine. Um, it's really something terrible. Um, you know, it kind of leads me to something else, a little meandering before I get to Uvalde, which we have to talk about today is that you see it all the time. Like you just take a look at what what kind of money pours in to these initiatives, um, you know, and I'm going to call them establishment uniparty initiatives, because at this point, honestly, there's no longer really party politics anymore, whether you want to, which is a great thing for this country, because we've come out talking about the two party paradigm for decades now, literally saying, you know, all the bad things about how you either Republican or Democrat or, you know, the Republican, the Republicans, there's bad eggs everywhere. You see it in Congress. You see it with this new bill that came out yesterday, the text of the bill for the, the, the gun legislation, the quote bipartisan gun legislation, where in the second page, they're throwing in tons of money for telehealth and Medicaid stuff. I, I come on, really, it's pork after pork everywhere. Money just for crap that it, it, it's, it's insane as inflation peaks and this, Everything just, oh, goodness, I can't even find the words today. But you see all this money flooding in, corporate corporate money to, uh, you know, for LGBTQ initiatives, even corporate money where, you know, there's programs for books and libraries and people at the local level are abusing those, like what happened with State Farm, where they, they recommended a book and the agents are responsible for that. And one of these agents decided they were going to do a, an LGBTQ book like we talked about before. And State Farm was like, whoa, hold on a second. I didn't say that this was okay, but, you know, these corporate dollars flow in. Just look at how they were abused with Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's everywhere. Billions of dollars. Soros pours billions of dollars into destabilizing our country. And on the right, you see millions and, you know, maybe a billion dollars going into policy papers and think tanks and nonsense and bloated salaries and bull. When there are actually organizations doing things to try and combat all this stuff, they get maligned and spoken down to and called grifters. When they've pumped out already from personal funding, tens of millions or what, between five and ten million dollars of their own money from somebody's pocket to do stuff. So I I have been working with um, the uh, America Project on an initiative that's going to support organizations like Dr. Peter McCullough's, and and they have supported um, organizations like his and Dr. Malone's and 
other the America's frontline doctors. And what they're basically doing is if you have a grassroots group and you're trying to get something accomplished in your area, you can apply for money to help you to do that. But they need the money from somewhere. And guess what? There's no big corporation stepping up to donate to an actual real campaign to stop this crap because they don't want it. So it's up to us. So we're trying to raise some money to combat this stuff in a very open and transparent way. You guys, if you're interested, can go to fundfreely.com slash beans. I have a page set up there to try and help with this because if let's say, uh, I don't know, mama bears, a little chapter in Idaho or Iowa somewhere wants to organize to stop the LGBTQ push in their local schools and they want to help with a school board, you know, change or information or they need money to get the word out or whatever. They can go to the America Project and apply, be vetted and be given a grant to do that. And that money is not coming from anywhere else, guys. It's just not election integrity alone. And I'm, I'm it just it pains me to see um, some of the attacks when most people really don't know how much how much has been done by that organization. You, you guys would lose it if you knew. And, and you'll know soon. It's, it's coming. Exactly what they've been able to accomplish and how. And um, outside of the trash talk that goes on on our side, which I just sit and look at and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, we can't get out of our own way. We really can't get out of our own way. I see it everywhere. It happens to me all the time. Not wow, woe is me. But seriously, the, the crap that people come up with about like, it, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it causes all this division and it comes from people that are absolutely batshit crazy. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? No wonder we lose all the time. We can't stop fighting with each other over nonsense. It's insane. Anyway, a little sidebar for me there. Um, But where was I? Oh, Uvalde. That's what I wanted to get to. Yeah, let's talk about this. This this whole gun legislation bill that's coming in is is off the heels of this absolutely tragic school shooting in Texas. And it was always questionable because we started getting pictures of the um, of the parents who were trying to get in and rescue their kids because nobody else would do it being arrested outside of the school when the cops were standing there. I've got a bunch of clips. They're up at Citizen Free Press from the hearing yesterday. We'll have a story out on this today as well. Um, the classroom door that that where the shooter was was never locked. The cops were sitting around waiting for a key. This thing was never locked. We're going to listen to several clips of this hearing together now. And um, some of them are a little longer, but I think it's worth it for us to hear them together because it is absolutely insane. So this entire gun pull is based on this event where cops literally acted as though they were they were mannequins standing in a hallway. Okay, and they wonder why conspiracy, quote, theories arise about shit. Excuse my French. This is insane. Here we go. You said the outside door was unlocked. Yes, sir. Now, was that lock, as I understand it, there at one time was a rock, the teacher removed the rock, the teacher closed the door, or heard slam the door. We don't know really what all to believe because we've heard so much stuff. But was the door closed and, and did the lock just not work? 
the only way you can lock these exterior doors in the west building, there's four doors. One is for the library and three are other entrances, east, west, and south. The only way to do that is from the outside. You can't do it otherwise. So when she knocked the rock out, it closed securely. But she, there's no way for her to tell that the door was unlocked. And the only way to know that the door is unlocked is, is go out, close the door, okay, then try it. And so that's the only way you can tell on this particular model. And but, I, but he came straight through the door with no came, problem. It, it, was, it, was, it was unlocked. He walked straight through it. So did you all check the lock later to see if the lock was malfunctioning or was it working? The, the, well, the, the, yes, the locks were working fine. And that on the exterior doors, the locks were working fine. And I can tell you, looking at the picture here, you don't need a key to get into this building. It could have been locked. This glass doesn't have mesh on it. All you have to do is shoot through this glass. Okay, reach in, there's a bar. Well, here's a bar. Pull that and you're in. Now the subject would have known that. He would have known it. And the same thing, these- But he didn't shoot the door. He's telling you basically in a school where the entire school is, is run on these electronic like outside locking doors that this one door happened to not lock when she closed it after removing the rock from it. Very convenient. Pains are also vulnerability. Yeah, I, I, anybody can look at that and tell it'd be easy to tuck a gun and shoot O's in it and reach yes. around. Yes, sir. But the, the first question was, the lock was functioning correctly? The lock was functioning correctly and the door was unlocked. It was closed but unlocked. I thought when it closed, it was supposed to automatically lock. Well, you can, you can set it to two, you can set it to two sections and I can, it's similar to the, the actual door on the interior as well. You can turn it all the way one direction, it's unlocked, you can turn it another direction and it's, it's in so the lock. Okay, position. so the latch was working functionally yes, sir. well, it was just turned in a position when you close it, it doesn't lock. Exactly. Someone did not lock that door. Okay. And, and, and similarly, the south door, which the, I described officers going in, early on, that door was unlocked as well. Second thing, okay, you may have just said what I was fixing to ask, but the classroom door, was it locked or not locked? The classroom door, if we can get a picture of it, I think this one is probably the best example, to, if you don't mind. This isn't the actual door. Well, this, is, this should not, shouldn't really... This is the actual door, but we don't really don't want to use that. This is what, this is room 127 and 126. That's what, what 111, this 112 and 111 would look like in that regard. And here's the door. You cannot lock this door from the inside of the classroom. There's nothing the teacher could do to lock the door inside the classroom. The teacher can come outside the classroom as the, as the requirement is to lock the door with, with a key, only with a key, and this right here by turning it, you know, and in the, the lock position. And I can actually have the door of, a, of another, this, is, this came from the West Building, one of the doors right here, and I can demonstrate that if you'd like at this time, Mr. Chairman. So the teacher could not even lock the classroom door from the inside? That's correct. There's no way to lock the, the door from the inside. And there's no way for the subject to lock the door from the inside. It was uh, we had heard reports that the lock was malfunctioning, that they had turned in a request for the lock to be fixed. Is that all fictitious? Or we, had, we had a locksmith inspect the lock and the strike plate. The lock was functional. The strike plate was not. 
What's not happening is, so as you can see on this door here, is that, yes, the lock was working as it was designed, but if it doesn't, the strike, the through doesn't get into the strike plate, it doesn't, it's not, it may be locked, but it's not secure. You can just open it. And that's, that, that, that's, you know, so you can either, it can be the lock position, ironically in the lock position or unlock position, and it's still unsecured and can be opened. So what? Basically, the door was unlocked to that classroom. The cops needed a key for it here. This is this is even more damning, in my opinion. Chief Arredondo kept saying we only have pistols. We need rifles. Why is that? What 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 in law enforcement training would would lead him to uh, continue to say that over and over as if that was a necessary factor to advance? Well, first of all, as a commissioned officer, you don't need a rifle. You have a gun. There's a reason you have one. You have body armor. So it may, it's going to be risky. Officers, and, and he, he, Chief Arianna was right. I mean, officers are likely to get hurt, and some may die. But it's less likely that they would than, than children without the armor, without the weapons, without the training, left alone with someone that had already brutally killed, you know, at least at that time. We don't know the timing of it, but it ultimately killed, you know, 21 people. So just... Ju- Here. I know. I, well, first of all, I don't like you know singling out a person and, and shifting and saying he's solely responsible. But at the end of the day, if you assume incident command, you are responsible. I'm, I'm just starting with and, the commander. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of backing my way into it because I I hate being in that position to do it. But it is what it is. Number one. And by the way, <clears throat> even when when the rifles were there, okay, not just two, but more, many. When the radios were there, and, and radios never worked anyway, but when the shields were there, and not one, two, but eventually four, when, when the first elements of SWAT got there, there was always a reason to wait. Then became the key. So there's always something that was delayed. It. And, 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 the, the, and the, the time I'll keep emphasizing one hour, 14 minutes, and eight seconds. You know, it's not just a lifetime, it's many lifetimes. And it just, we can't have that in a, in a, in a post Columbine environment. There's no reason why these all of these kids had to die because there were law enforcement officials being told. I, I mean, I don't know that I would have been able to just stand there in the hallway while this man or kid or whatever he is, monster, massacred 22 people right there. And I had a gun and I couldn't go in there and stop it because I was waiting for a key to a door that was never even locked in the first place. Really? Why? Why? This makes zero sense. Zero sense. It, you can't come to any other conclusion than it was purposeful. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander, who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. 
The officers had weapons, the children had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none. The officers had training, the subject had none. One hour, 14 minutes and eight seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited in rooms 111 to be rescued. And while they waited, the on-seat commander waited for a radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. I just, I can't. I can't. He waited for a key that was never needed. He waited for a key that was never, there's no explanation for this. Zero. Zero explanation for this. I can't even believe what I'm hearing. And because of that, 22 people lost their family, kids, babies, children, while parents were being arrested outside who tried to get in and save them because the cops would do absolutely nothing. They would stand there, armed cops with body armor, bulletproof vests, two automaton to act like humans and to listen to their commander. Holy moly, if this is the caliber of what is going on. There is just no explanation for this whatsoever. Then this was purposeful. And from it, we have an entire government push to disarm people because of this, because of inept, purposefully restrained law enforcement and one crazy lunatic with a rifle. Insane. Un- You're not going to hear about this, though. The Biden administration is not going to come out and denounce it. The whole thing just really, it's disgusting. My heart breaks. My heart breaks. This is, this is terrible upon terrible. But they will, they will scream about this. Here is a uh, pro-choice, that's what they call them, protester, outside of um, the Supreme Court in D.C. I just want you to listen to this guy who screams about how powerful the uh, baby killers are. This man who doesn't even have a uterus in his body. Or maybe he does. I will not be stopped I will not be stopped we are the most powerful force in this earth rise up I have a word for the justices of this court you stand on the edge of the abyss you are standing on the edge of the abyss. You have the choice today to step back from that edge. Yeah, you're standing on the edge of the abyss wanting to uh, give the states and state representatives the power to act upon the will of their constituents and allow women to slaughter children or not. Yeah, I know. These people are morally inept. Morally bankrupt. Satan. Satan is it at play here. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that's it for me today. I'm done. You've been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with Beans. 
You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Also, RadioInfluence.com. Make sure you go to UncoverDC.com slash support or find us on Locals, UncoverDC.Locals.com. Help us out, guys. We really, really need it. I keep asking because I keep needing it, and I'm going to keep asking because I really need it. <laughs> so if you could do me a favor, give up a coffee a month for us, and we'd be greatly appreciative of you. Thank you so much. We will see you back here on Friday. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.